So as many of you may know, uh, my kids do karate, and we kind of fell into the world of karate. My son recently, Eli, um, received his first black level, uh, black belt, which is, there are lots of levels of black. I didn't know about that. Uh, nonetheless, it's a huge accomplishment, especially at his own age. So yes, I am bragging just a little bit for you. When we started karate with Eli six years ago, we were looking for a way for him to not only find a place to get lots of his energy out, I know some of you may have those kids, but also we were trying to find a place to kind of teach him some discipline, um, some some issues. Yeah, we had some kind of issues of authority. We wanted him to learn hard work. And really one of the big things is we wanted to learn integrity, So if you are unfamiliar with karate, specifically taekwondo is what we do, um, it is a, a, here's a crash course. I'm going to give you a crash course. On a side note, I knew nothing about karate when we started, and so I was like learning quickly like crazy. In karate, you learn these things called katas, and we're going to show you a little video while I tell you about it, and um, my son's probably going to be mad at me because I didn't didn't ask him to do, if we could do this, but we're going to do it anyway. (laughs) This is one of Eli's katas, and a kata is um, the word, Japanese word for form, and it means a detailed, choreographed pattern of martial arts movements, as you will see in the video. Originally, it was kind of training methods for combat, so people would do these movements over and over and over again until they really became second nature in defense. So if you needed them, you didn't even think about it, you just did it. Um, So you did it without hesitation, you acted upon it without any thinking, Obviously, we are hoping that Eli doesn't go out and use these moves just on a regular basis, but if he needs to defend himself in some way, shape, or form, these are kind of stuck back in his brain. Even um, all of the movements have to be precise. Now, if you'll notice how he holds his hands, where his punches are, where his kicks landed, everything has to be in a very specific way. In fact, even the kia, which is a kind of a, a yell that they do at different points during the kata, has to be with power. It has to be at the precise moment. It needs to be loud so that it can intimidate you. And each kid develops their own kind of kiosk. So Addie's is different from Eli's, which is different from whoever else does their kata. It's their kind of internal, powerful yell. One of the things that they learn specifically at Eli's dojo is they focus on loyalty, ability, and integrity. These are the hallmarks, according to his sensei, for what he practices in karate school. And just in case you were wondering, sensei is the Japanese word for teacher. So when Eli learns a new kata, his sensei shows him all the movements, and they go over it, over and over and over and over again, until they get to the point where Eli does movements and his sensei fine-tunes. Your hand was here, it needs to be just here. Your kick was here, it needs to be just a little bit more here. Until they get to the point where Eli is mimicking every movement that his sensei has taught him. Eli is being exactly like his sensei. 
In the midst of practices, Eli has come to know his sensei pretty well and vice versa. In fact, there are times where we say, hey, sensei, you may want to talk to Eli about X, Y, and Z. And so we kind of have this partnership. But at the same time, Eli spends a lot of time with his sensei and he knows his sensei well. He knows how much his sensei loves him. He knows how much his sensei cares about how well he does, and he knows that his sensei is going to continue to work with him to fine-tune the things that he, he is practicing. So you probably will ask, well, what does this have to do with anything about this morning? Well, this morning we're going to talk about discipleship. We're going to talk about the fact that Christ has called us the same way Eli is learning from his sensei. We are called to be disciples of our teacher, our teacher, Jesus. Disciples are to look like their teacher, not like the everyday Joe in the world. So sometimes the lessons that we learn as disciples are to combat the world's views, influence, temptation, We learn how to understand the character of God, what the scripture tells us about God, about ourselves, how to treat others, how to listen to the Holy Spirit. These are the things that the disciple and the teacher or the rabbi learn together. Just like when Eli goes to karate and learns from his sensei how to do every moment to precision until it becomes second nature of who he is. In chapter four of Matthew, Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee and he just kind of, what it seems like in Matthew's gospel, comes across these two brothers, Simon and Andrew, and they're fishermen. Matthew chapter four, verse 18 through 22 says this. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. And casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen, And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. I got to tell you, I have long wondered why these four guys, when Jesus comes onto the scene and says, follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men, which if you've watched in the chosen, the videos, Peter says in it, I don't know what that means, but I'm going to do it. Immediately, scripture says, They stop what they're doing, and they follow Jesus. In an instant, they leave their homes, their families, everything that they're doing to follow Jesus. Besides the fact that he's Jesus, obviously, this is early in his ministry, and really nobody knows this Jesus guy except maybe some rumblings that are starting to kind of move through the area. People haven't realized that Jesus is the Messiah. They have no idea that he's God's son. This whole topic is an uphill battle. He hasn't made his name for himself as a teacher or rabbi. 
But we've heard many times in previous sermons that there's something about Jesus that these four guys respond to. Something about his call and the truth of that moment that they say yes. And they leave to follow. Follow me is actually a kind of normal Jewish calling for Jewish men. So here's a little bit of history that I think helps us to understand a little bit more of exactly what's happening at this moment. And one of the reasons that maybe these four guys have just thrown everything aside to follow Jesus. Did you know that in cultural Jewish history, uh, boys and girls from a really early age would go to the rabbi and they would learn for a few years the memorization of the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. That's all they did at school, was they memorized scripture. Can you imagine if that's what we did today? Five, six, seven, eight-year-olds, that's what they did. They memorized scripture. That was their schooling. Girls, unfortunately, a little bit later in life, by the time we get to eight or nine, um, finished their schooling. But some of the boys continued on. And as it was kind of weeded out, more of the boys would stay, and they would get more of an education. From here, they would learn to memorize larger portions of the Torah. They would learn a little bit more about interpretation. And by the time they turned 12, they would have a thing called a bar mitzvah. Now, we have a recording in Scripture of one of the few things that we do of Jesus' early years. And in that, he is actually going to the temple in Jerusalem very likely for his first bar mitzvah. At that time, you went as a young man to read scripture in the temple, and that kind of marked part of your adulthood. If you remember the story, uh, Jesus' parents leave and then realize that they don't have Jesus with them. And they find Jesus is in the temple where he should be, learning, being taught, reading scripture, all of the things that he knew from an early age, and yet at the same time, why wouldn't he, as the son of God, be in the temple? If you continued on and you got lucky enough, you continued in your education. By the time you get to be about 13, they've kind of weeded out more of the kids, and the the group of boys has become a lot smaller. If you showed promise to memorize scripture, to interpret scripture, to follow a teacher, then you could have the opportunity to find a rabbi to continue to learn and grow from. This is kind of an elite group of kids. You learned to trade at the same time, which is why Paul was a tent maker, because he was one of the, the kids that was a student of a rabbi. Jesus learned carpentry as well. But you also learned from your teacher. Now, most kids would go and find a teacher and say, can I follow you? And if that teacher thought that that kid had enough promise, then he would say, yes, you can follow me. There were very, very few rabbis that actually went out and picked their own students. In fact, Paul's rabbi was one of two that were most famous at the time. So if you 
you asked to follow a rabbi, and a rabbi said no, your education in regard to the Torah and all of that was done. You go home, and you continue in life in your trade. Why is that important to us right now? Well, hopefully you've started to pick up a little bit. If these men were fishing, then they had not been chosen to follow anyone. They were fulfilling their trade. They had been um, deemed not worthy enough to be able to learn by the rabbi and therefore were sent off and their education was done. So they are on the shoreline and they are fishing. And out of nowhere, it seems, Jesus comes to these rejected fishermen who couldn't cut it as a student of the rabbi. And he says to them, follow me. They didn't have to go out and ask anybody. He comes to them as one of the elite and says, if you will follow me, I will be your rabbi. I find you worthy of being a part of the mission and the vision that I have been called to. I believe that you can imitate me. And when you have learned all that you can from me, I believe then you can go out and teach others to imitate me. By the time you get to be 30... If you have shown enough promise by following a rabbi, that's exactly what you do. You're sent out by your rabbi to go find more students and to start the process over again. The repetitive process of we grow kids up to learn and understand who God is, we teach them so that they can go out and make more disciples. Does this sound familiar to you? Like Eli who learns a new kata by watching and listening and learning to imitate his sensei. And as he gets older, the katas become more complicated. The lessons become more involved. The movements become more. Just like that, Jesus is calling these four and us to follow, to learn from the rabbi, to watch his movements and his steps, to imitate him. Simon and Andrew and John and James, they say yes when Jesus calls. But I guess I got to ask you, why is it so hard maybe sometimes for us to follow Jesus? I remember in high school when I met Jesus when I wanted to follow him. It seemed so easy to say, yes, pick me. I will do what you say. I will go where you go. I will learn your words. And yet things got hard. It was hard to be a devoted disciple. It was hard to know what to do sometimes. Could it possibly be for us, church, that the level of commitment that we are asked by God to commit to is too much for us. Because being a devoted disciple of Jesus isn't a part-time project. It isn't something we do on the side. 
It isn't a practice for the weekend or for an hour one week. It isn't an activity or a sport that has a season and then ends. It's not something you can binge on and then turn off. It's not a hobby. Maybe the problem is that we look at our discipleship as a short-term commitment instead of a lifetime um, of, of growing and devotion. Months back, I preached a message on Acts 2, 42 through 47, probably one of my absolute favorite scriptures. I believe it is the outline of who we are called to be as the community of Christ followers. I talked about in that passage that devotion to God is what we are called to. That devotion in the Greek means to be strong, to move towards something at constant readiness. It's important that it's the main directive of how everything else in our life and following God flows. Devotion to the Lord God is who we are called to be, devoted people. But maybe one of the other questions is, do we want others to know that we are Christ followers? Maybe that's a question that we must ponder because the answer if you're really honest, may reveal your devotion or lack of. To follow the rabbi, we are devoted ourselves to learning and growing and imitating him. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes saying no sometimes to other things to prioritize our life around the thing that we have said we are the most devoted to. But maybe it's not the devotion that gets you. Maybe it's not the devotion that we struggle with. Maybe it's the obedience part. Giving up your will for the Lord's will, submitting to someone other than yourself, leaning into trusting someone who says they have your best interest at heart. Allowing the Lord to have full reign in all aspects of your life. Are you comfortable with him being the Lord over only a few parts and not the whole? What we don't seem to fully understand is that when we lean into God's obedience, we become free. We become free to not have to worry about what do we do here? How do we do this? What's supposed to come next? If we are devoted to God, we lean into him, we're obedient to him, we trust him, he shows us. And that's not to say life is easy. I will be the first to always say following God is one of the most difficult things you will ever choose to do. But man, is it the most powerful and amazing and passionate thing that you could ever do that will mark your life in no other way that anything else could. Again, like Eli's sensei, even if Eli does a wrong move, even if he messes up, all his sensei does is correct, and they move forward. His sensei wants him to do the very best that he can. Because in the midst of it, it shows everyone else who his sensei is. It shows everybody else his care and attention. Isn't that what Jesus wants for us? Jesus wants our best. 
and he wants the best for us. In the midst of devotion and obedience, he extends to us grace, mercy, love, healing, strength, knowledge, wisdom, peace. We could go on and on and on and on and on. These are what Jesus extends to us if we just say, I want to be your true and faithful disciple. I want to imitate you. When a rabbi decided that a a student had done enough, had learned enough, basically the rabbi was saying, I believe now that when I send you out, you look exactly like me. And everyone will know that you are my disciple by how you look, how you talk, how you pray, how you, how you talk about what you're praying for at dinner, everything about every moment of your life imitates me and others will know me because of you. Do we want to experience that? Is that who we want to be? In Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18, it says this, all authority in heaven, Jesus says, and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. Jesus is calling us to be true disciples so that we can make disciples. If ever there was a time, church, where we need to be devoted disciples, Christ followers, learning from the rabbi, studying his teaching, sitting at his feet and listening, the time is now. In a world that is broken and fallen, disillusioned, angry, divided at every corner, the world needs people who are imitating Jesus and making more disciples so that they can experience love and grace and peace and mercy and all of those things. They need us, church. They need us. So will you follow him and be his disciples? When he comes to you and says, follow me, and he says it every day, we have the opportunity every day to answer that call. Ask yourself, today am I going to be the devoted? Am I going to try to imitate God? so that others will know who he is. So here's what we're going to do. Because I hope, I've been challenging this all week and been asking myself, am I truly a disciple? I I fall in that category of sometimes and sort of and kind of, and you can have this, but not this. I mean, I'm, I'm just laying it out and being brutally honest with you. I struggle with it. But I want to be a devoted follower because this world needs Jesus. And Jesus wants us 
to be imitators for him. So, are you a disciple? Or maybe you just need to admit you have struggled and God, you want to get right. We have these prayer pews, and one of the things I've noticed over the last few years, and, and this is not like a, these are open. This is, this is a visual of a space for humility and love and devotion to God. Sometimes the power of having to get on your knees and tell God, I, I, I didn't hit the mark, will take you to a new place you've never been before. And so I'm going to challenge you. Maybe you need to get right, and maybe you need to answer the question or, or submit again in your discipleship. Maybe you need God, you need to hear God just say again, follow me, and you need to say yes. The altar space is open. If you need to, to kneel and submit, or if you need to sit in your chair and just be honest with God, wherever. But church, he, need, he needs us. We need him. This world needs Jesus. Do you want to be his disciple? Follow me. Let's pray. Father God, um, I admit my failures, and I admit that sometimes I want to be fully devoted, and sometimes I want me. And I'm, I know I'm not alone in that. But this world, I realize, is not about me. It's about you. It's about how much you love your people and your creation, and it's about how broken this world is, and it needs a Savior. And so I submit to you right now, God. I want to follow you. Pick me to be a disciple. And I will devote myself. And I pray that that is the prayer of so many in this room. God, use us. Heal us. Push us. And we be for you. Let's storm the kingdom for your name. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.